0: Open up your Bibles this evening to Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. And we'll be dealing mostly with verses 11 through 17, so we're going to read that first. We uh, are likely to make reference to everything in Genesis 27 that we've already read. Uh, So I will throw that out there for you. But verses 11 through 17 is really the text that we're going to have uh, for tonight. Genesis 27, starting in verse 11, And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. And I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Uh, This was referenced at the end of our last lesson. Uh, That is indeed what happens to Rebecca at the end of this chapter, which we'll see uh, before the close of this lesson in verses 41 through 46. She says, only obey my voice. And I got to warn you right in the middle of the text, parents, be careful to insist that your voice comes second to the Lord's. Uh, what she's doing here under the guise of helping God, which is what we talked about at the end of the last lesson, is encouraging her son Jacob to listen to her first and foremost. And uh, that's not our role as parents. Our our role is to lead them in the way in which they are to go. And the way they which are, in which they are to go should be the same path that we are on, but most importantly, it should be to the Lord. There are times that our paths do not lead that way, uh, as we see of her. Now, she says, Upon me be thy curse, my son, only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, them is the kid goats. And his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats upon his hands, and upon the smooth of his neck. And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son, Jacob. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we consider this text, we ask, Father, you'd bring to our mind those things in which we've, uh, we've taught and been, been fed and heard, Lord, uh, that we would be able to give application to what we have before us this night. Help us again to consider this house of Isaac and the, uh, its, its present state and take warning uh, of the practices of, of the deceitfulness uh, really from all involved, Lord. We pray, Father, that you enable would enable us to honor you, though we have nothing to offer, no righteousness of our own, that we would continue to point to you, that you'd be uh, ever merciful to us, and that we'd be ever grateful to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The first point I have on here is getting Jacob's goat. Jacob, dressed in goat's clothing, fed his father the savory meat of goat's. Uh, A lot of goat going on here. Up until now, we have only speculated at the difference between the two meats, so I decided to do a little studying uh, because I've never eaten goat. I've only ever eaten venison and really not that much of that. But according to the USDA, goat meat is actually richer in zinc and lower in cholesterol. Ironically, for the heart, uh, it is better (laughs) for the physical heart. than than what it is that he was trying to eat. And spiritually, in this case, it seems to also be the same. Uh, Genesis 50, uh, verse 20, But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. The meat that he was fed wasn't the meat he asked for, but it was actually better for him. Uh, Maybe that's why he wasn't as near death as what he thought he was. That, of course, I'm just throwing in there. But... Uh, Deer meat is richer in vitamin B3, richer in iron, richer in uh, vitamin B1 and magnesium. Uh, The gamey flavor of goat meat can make it taste like deer meat, but deer meat is far gamier and more intense in flavor than goat meat. In fact, goat is believed to be closer to lamb in taste and flavor than it is to deer. In case you were ever wondering. With that being said, Rebecca, uh, according to our text, made savory meat such as his father loved. Um, If she was involved in preparing the venison in the past... Uh, And perhaps when Esau was a younger man, we know he's an older man now. He's married, and according to what we read later in this chapter, he is the one that typically prepares uh, these things and prepares the meat now. But if she was involved before, she knows what her husband likes. She knows what uh, to put beside the meat that's going to accentuate it perfectly for Isaac's taste. It wouldn't have been hard for her to use the same seasoning methods on this goat meat that she would have used for the deer. And it is also worth noting that not only did the venison that Esau caught die for this cause, in verses 30 and 31, but now so did two young goats. Oh, how precious is the blood that goes to covering man's guilt. Who really lost here? I mean, an animal rights activist would certainly say the animals lost. What'd they do? There's at least one deer and two goats that get slaughtered. Two young goats, two kid goats that get slaughtered here. For the sake of this lie, for the sake of this deceit, I won't make that argument. I think most of you know where I am on that. Animals are animals. I don't preach to animals. I don't see animals in the Bible going to the kingdom, and we can have that argument later. Uh, But there's certainly something to be noted here about how much blood has to be shed for the lives of man. The second thing we need to consider is Jacob's responsibility in all this. It, it'd be easy uh, with the text, that we, the way we've broken up the text, and probably the way I've read the text, to put all this on Rebecca, Or even with the way I read the first five verses of this chapter, to put it on Isaac. Uh, he, he made his bed, and now he's literally laying in it. He's, he's, uh, he has lies coming to his bedside as a result of, uh, of how things had been run in their home. If you'll consider with me Genesis 27 verse 12, My father peradventure will feel me, Jacob says, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. This word deceiver literally translated as mocker in a context of mocking his father's blindness, age, or health. Not necessarily uh, seem to him as one that would be lying to him, but it would seem to his father that he's mocking him or humiliating him because of his condition. This is the concern of Jacob. And he says, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. Uh, What do we mean by this curse? What is the commandment? Children, honor thy parents. And this is a commandment that he's fearful of here. I'm not trying to paint an innocent picture of Jacob, but I want to make sure we understand the the words that are being used here. The verse does, does seem to give some evidence of shame on Jacob's part, but... Uh, most importantly, it reveals that Jacob knew how this would be perceived. He had an understanding how this would come across. Uh, I think most of the time when we are willfully sinning, we have that guilt feeling and we know what it will feel like or have an idea what could happen if we're busted, if we're caught, red-handed. What hope of justification do we have of our for our actions if we know there is even a chance they could be perceived as deceitful? If you know that you have to lie to enter into a situation, is it a situation you ought to be in? Certainly Jacob knew God's promise for his life, yet he listened to his mother instead of to God. Uh, he listened to his mother at the encouraging word of his mother to listen to his mother instead of God. Genesis twenty-seven thirteen in our text says, And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice and go fetch them the ends never justify the means as we said last time and haste does not outrun guilt how often do we find ourselves in situations where we're we're either instructing or leading in error or acting in error and we decidedly do it quicker as a result let's just do it let's just get it over with just go get the kid goats Uh, We're up against the clock, Jacob. Esau is going to be back any minute. He's hunted his whole life. No doubt they have an idea how long it's going to take for him to get to his favorite spot, for him to get back, for him to prepare the meat, for him to be around. We've got to get this work done. And we have to kind of do it slowly too because Isaac knows how long that takes. And Isaac's the one with the appetite. He's the one who's hungry. He's going to smell the food. He's going to know that it went too fast. Uh, another sure tail sign that you're doing something you probably shouldn't do is when you find yourself telling you giving direction to go at two different speeds. Hurry up, slow down. Hurry up, slow down. God's not the author of confusion. He doesn't instruct his people and lead his people in a way of confusion like this. What we read in Isaiah 28:16 says, "Therefore thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. And if you're looking at your outline, that's the end of the bulleted part, because that's really the crutch of this entire chapter. God said what was going to happen before these boys came out of the womb. He had already told, and he didn't give Rebekah any direction as far as what to do. She besought the Lord. It's as if the two boys are warring against one another in the very womb, and he told her what was happening. He told her what was going to happen and left no instructions as to what she was supposed to do. Those that believeth shall not make haste. Rebecca's actions can really only be explained by haste. Either Isaac's going to mess this thing up, or it's going to delay everything, or this blessing won't fall upon us, or suddenly we have a lack of faith coming into our explanation. He that believeth shall not make haste. We desire the Lord to come back quickly, but who among us would desire to try to make him come back quickly? Well, that would be foolishness. Who would desire to accelerate our departure? Leave it in the Lord's hands. Leave it in the Lord's hands. What we read in the next portion that I want to really cover tonight is verses 18 through 25 of this same chapter. Genesis 27, beginning in verse 18, and he came unto his father. This is is what we've been building up to. Jacob came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. Has there ever been a more clear verse of sin? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau. I want you to not only think about what's being said here, but think about the fact that he has to disguise his voice. He's wearing goat skin. Now, we all have, unfortunately, an understanding of Halloween. Halloween. This isn't that fake fur stuff with the soft, somewhat scratchy part that goes against the flesh. This would have been flesh right off a goat, strapped to his hand somehow, affixed to the back of his hand somehow, so that when Isaac, his father, would rub it, it would give the feeling or appearance or experience, more than appearance really because of his sight, an experience that this is the hair of a man on the back of his hand. I don't know what this would have even smelled like. I I don't have the ability to read this text without thinking about the smell. I don't know how you would have covered up the smell. Isaac's lying to his father. He's wearing the lie all over him. He stinks of the lie. He's disguised his voice as a liar to his own dad. He says, I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat my venison. Lies again. That thy soul may bless me. Lies, 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 lies. Bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? Dad's always tend to know exactly what to ask and i don't say that boasting uh it's not certainly a gift of any, by any means but dads always seem to know exactly what to ask to to reveal even more the hideousness of a lie and jacob's forced to lie again and he said because the lord thy god brought it to me now he's using god in his lie and Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Think of the pressure of this situation. Uh, it's one thing to lie to somebody from a distance. I, I can lie. I lied. I'm going to pick on you right now. I can lie to Bailey and know for a fact I'm going to outrun her out of here. But if I lie to Isaac, who's half asleep this very moment, he's going to catch me. He's bigger than me. He's skinnier than me. That's very different. But if I have to come this close to Isaac, because he says, come closer, and Larry Lafferty get up and lie to him right here, that's very different. He can smell me now. Sorry. He can feel the back of my hand. To, To be drawn into this lie, to be drawn into this sin, to be drawn into this wickedness, to the point where his own father asked, How is it you got this meat so quickly? And he says, God did it. Somewhat harkens back to Adam's words. That woman you gave me. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not, because his hands were hairy. As his brother Esau's hands, so he blessed him. I, I'm going to keep reading, but I got to interject again. I was a, I was a liar as a teenager. Um, Isaac's a peach compared to to me. I was I was a liar. I lied a lot to my parents, to my grandparents. I lied to everybody I thought I could get away with it with, and even those I didn't think I would get away with it with, just to see if I could. And when I read, Jacob went near his father, Isaac, his father, and he felt him. I kind of read it as... I know it's written that Isaac felt him, literally, but I read it from Jacob's perspective that he felt his father. He felt his father touching the back of his hand. He felt the the fakeness of it all. He felt the very lie he was trying to portray. And when his dad says, I hear the voice of Jacob... And Jacob has to watch his father deal with this in his age and his health. Has to deal with this lie and try to make sense of it. Imagine the shame. Dad's starting to figure it out. What am I going to do as he figures it out and I'm, I'm this close? And then it gets even worse. He discerned him not. So he blessed him. Dad wasn't able to figure it out. I fooled dad. I fooled my own father. I I robbed my brother of a blessing. I robbed my father of a blessing that he was charged with. I had to get right up close and lie to my dad. And he said, art thou my very son Esau? Now, now brethren, when you go home and read this tonight, I want you to read the next sentence quickly. Art thou my very son Esau? I'm sure in a lie he answered quickly because liars act with haste most of the time. But I want you to really draw this thing out when you meditate and put yourself into this narrative. Art thou my very son Esau? I swallow hard before I can even read the next sentence. And Jacob said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison. That my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought him wine, and he drank. Warren Wearsby wrote Jacob is a perfect picture of a hypocrite. His voice and his hands do not agree, what he says and what he does, and he deceives others. Verse 19 alone, Jacob tells his father three lies I am Esau. I have done, which is what his mother did. Eat of my venison, which is goat meat. And his kiss, which we read of in verses 26 and 27, what comes next. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. Remember, uh, he's wearing Esau's clothes. This was equally deceitful. Oh, the dreaded kiss of a liar. Think of Matthew 26, verses 47 through 49. Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign. He told them before he went in, This is how you'll know who Jesus is. I'm going to give him a kiss. Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Dr. Luke's account, Luke 22, verse 48, says, But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? Betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? That's what Jacob did to his own father. It's what we do when we try to help God. It's what we do when we try to do things in the name of God. Put him back in things he never was in, for example. We betray him with a sweet joy to the world or a jingle bells. An Easter egg. We betray him with sweet, innocent intentions rather than faithful following. Uh, Imagine... If you will, the Lord asks one simple thing of you follow. And, and at the end of Luke 9, you say, I will, but I'll follow. It's my heart's desire to follow. I want nothing more but to follow, but I got to go sell my house. Uh, I got to go bury my father. Betrayed him with a kiss. You didn't give him your heart. You, you didn't follow after him. You put yourself first, your house first, your father's burial first. Let the dead bury the dead. You put vain repetitions first. Hail Mary. Holy Mother. And so on and so on. Thankfully, I've forgotten that prayer. But I can tell you about vain repetitions. I can tell you what's pushed and taught this time of year in the Roman Catholic Church. It's not salvation. It's not a washing of blood. It's a washing. It's a brain washing. But very little blood. And very little water, for that matter. This was his dad. We can come at it from the other side that Mama said to do it. This is Jacob's dad, who reveals that this could come across as an insult to his dad if it's discovered. Now, I don't know that anybody would have to explain it to Judas, but no doubt the words of the Lord there in Luke 22:48 48 make it clear. It was an insult to Jesus as well. Come up with a million ways to betray Jesus. Don't do it with a kiss. He walks in with swords and staves and a, and a, and a, and a guard, an army to take them as thieves. How will this come back on Jacob? Laban deceived him about his wives and repeatedly changed his wages. He would live in fear of his own brother for years. In addition, Jacob's own sons would one day kill a kid, Genesis 37:31) and put its blood all over his favorite son's coat and deceive their father, their own beloved father. Be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers thirty-two, twenty-three. I bet Jake, or Judas, I bet he knew he'd be discovered, but I don't know that he knew he'd be discovered right away. Do some studying tonight. See, the next time you see Judas after that little incident, after the Lord reveals unto him, betrayest thou the son of man with a kiss. He knows. The Lord knew as though Judas had said it out loud. Just as the Syrians, as Elisha knew every move they were going to make, the Lord knew the very sign, the very uh, symbol that Judas was going to use to deliver Jesus Christ. The next time you see Judas, he's purchasing a field. Matthew Henry wrote, Rebecca knew that the blessing was intended for Jacob and expected he would have it, but she wronged Isaac by putting a cheat on him. She wronged Jacob by tempting him to wickedness. She put a stumbling block in Esau's way and gave him a a pretext for hatred to Jacob and to religion itself. Uh, We haven't even begun to talk about the damage that this does uh, to to Esau's faith. Uh, A weak foundation of spirituality anyhow, as we pointed out, but... uh, This is really how we come across as hypocrites, as we come across as heartless, even today, Baptists, as people walk away scorned, feeling unloved. Why? Because you put doctrine first. Should we just tell people to do well? Should we just tell people to do better? Should we not take them by the hand? Should we not love on them with the very love that's been given to us from Christ Jesus, the instrument of God the Father? Are they going to know love because we've spelled it? Because we've read it to them? All were to be blamed, Matthew Henry continues. It was one of those crooked measures often adopted to further the divine promises, as if the end would justify or excuse wrong means. By the way, this is our third commentator to make this point when considering this chapter thus far. Pink, Morris, and Henry... All of them make this point. Thus, many have acted wrong under the idea of being useful in promoting the cause of Christ. The answer to all such things is that which God addressed to Abraham. I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And it was a very rash speech of Rebecca. Upon me be thy curse, my son. Christ has borne the curse of the law for all who take upon them the yoke of the command, the command of the gospel. But it is too daring for any creature to say, Upon me be thy curse. We can't handle it. Uh, Remember some friends in college that used to say, We're going to hell, and we're driving the bus. No, you're not. Satan's doing just fine driving that bus. I pray you're not on it. Uh, But he's not uh, any more than Carrie Underwood's going to persuade the Lord Jesus to take the wheel. Satan's not giving up his either. You're not in control lost and saved alike, you're not in control, the sooner we come to that conclusion, the sooner we understand that there are bigger things in this world, in this creation, than what we can see, what we can tangibly feel, the better off we're going to be. How then could God truly bless any involved in this situation? How does the preacher preach the next couple of chapters after this? And the answer lies in a place of scriptures that has echoed across all three of our ongoing studies recently. The Lord's ministry, this study, the study of the attributes of God, and really some of the things that we are dealing with with the difficult questions. Romans 9, verses 10 through 24. It says here, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. And we could stop there. We're going to keep going. But really, that's the crutch of it. There is no merit in any of the four in this household at this point or any point by which God or, or any sane man would say, this one deserves salvation. This one deserves to be of the promised lineage, which is still what we're following here the promised lineage. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Especially after what we just read, is there unrighteousness with God to love Jacob after this experience? To love Jacob after what he's just done to his very father? That up close and personal lie with his hand in his father's hand? Close enough that his father could smell him and he continues to lie? Does this mean there's unrighteousness with God? God forbid. God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And could any deny that he's the only one to be praised in this chapter? He's the only one deserving of any praise whatsoever. For the scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for the same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who hath resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, who art thou that rebellest, repliest against God." Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same that formed it, or of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? This is the situation with Cain and Abel. This is the situation with Jacob and Esau. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore prepared unto glory even us whom he hath called not of the Jews only but also of the gentiles who among us is more righteous than even jacob who among us is even righteous compared to this mother rebecca to isaac who leads this home how would you comfort esau as he returns are difficult things to wrap our heads around. We can read Genesis 27 and really think this family is such a mess. But righteousness and salvation only come from God. This chapter is such a beautiful illustration that it can come from nowhere else. There is nothing, no righteousness, none that seek God. And, and, and really, if we put that next to this situation, it's a beautiful picture too. Because we can read it and think, well, Rebecca has God in mind. She's seeking after the blessing of God. But scripture says none seek after God. None are righteous. The righteousness of man is as filthy rags. And Rebecca's trying to use filthy rags to clean up this mess. It's not going so well. Be very much in prayer, and I I do encourage you to to read back over this chapter and meditate over the, the, the blessing of what the Lord's brought before us this night.